This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. So this is Michael Barr. Obviously, he is the producer, director of this amazing biopic about Sergeant Peralta and the Second Battle of Fallujah. So he flew all the way in from D.C. area today to be a part of this evening. There's a, this is a big project he's working on. He's still in the overarching production and funding phase, but he's worked with some amazing people, actors and producers and all sorts of amazing folks that is going to really force us <laughs> to be brought to the forefront. How many people are familiar with the Battle of Fallujah in general? So a good number of folks. And, and this is a big piece that we're going to dive into, not only the biopic, but also dive into Michael's passion attached to telling the story and the story that he wants to tell. One thing I always love doing before we dive in too far, and is this loud enough? Too loud? Good? Okay. Before we dive too far into these conversations, I always love knowing the split we have of people that are veterans and non-veterans. So if you're a veteran, raise your hand. If you're not in the army, put your hand back down and leave your hand up for the <laughs> army. Perfect. Okay. So army guys, army gals, we're awesome. If you're a Marine, one Marine way in the back where he belongs. Oh, two, oh, oh wow. Too many Marines. All right. We have more than one. That's normally the lowest one in here. So I love that. Um, we only need one Marine to take over everything, right? That's right. <laughs> Perfect. As an army guy, that was really painful to say. Um, for non-veterans, if you're not a veteran in the room and you're a supporter, raise your hand. Awesome. So as you see, we do have a good spread of veterans and non-veterans in the room, and I always love opening our doors to non-veterans. Uh, we can only be as strong as our non-veteran supporters. So thank you all for being here, just as much as all the vets in the room, and I really appreciate you all supporting this endeavor. So without me babbling too much further, Michael, I would love to get just a quick intro about your background. I know you've worked with the likes of Danny Trejo and some amazing actors along those lines. Um, give us just a little bit of a background prior to the biopic you're working on right now. Yeah, sure. I came to film late, later in life. I've been working the last four or five years. The most recent project I've worked on was director of photography for a historic or history-based film starring Danny Trejo. You may know him as Machete. But Hang on, say it properly. Ma machete. There you go. <laughs> if anybody, does anybody know Danny Trejo? Okay, yeah. everybody. If you don't know his name, you'll definitely know, you'll recognize his face. He's got a face that is very recognizable. We've got a great guy. He plays the character of Magellan. He filmed in the Philippines in 2022. And that will that movie will be coming out this summer, which is pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. And did another feature, which will also be hitting festivals this year, starring Eric Roberts. And that's loosely based on a true story about a hijacking that happened in 1971. It was a pretty fun, pretty fun project. So. So that, and then just a lot of corporate stuff and graphic design and photography. And yeah, that's me. And that's, all the, that's, that's as much as I talk about myself ever. So. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, the price. he prefaced that part. He's, I'd have to pull teeth about talking about himself, but he loves <laughs> talking about the projects he's working on. So this one is a big one. If y'all don't remember, don't know, back in November, we were able to host General Petraeus for a lunch, a dinner, and a main event. I ended up being a phenomenal event. And through that, I was introduced to Michael by Ana Sanchez, who's a part of the Vetlanta board. 
and also does a lot of things here in Atlanta and the veteran space as a whole. And she saw the impact of having a veteran on the stage, which is what Advancing Atlanta for Veterans is all about, putting a stage for veterans and veteran stories, missions, and opportunities to be in front of everybody like y'all. So she mentioned this event or this biopic and said this had to be brought to fruition as a massive project to really highlight what Sergeant Peralta was able to accomplish, but also the sacrifice he made in Fallujah. So I'd be curious to know, to start that piece of it off, what brought you to this biopic to begin with? What brought it to your attention? Why this piece of the story? So this story, both his family and, and my involvement came out of a lot of pain and suffering. I was in a head-on collision four years ago and was not driving, but a pretty horrific crash. And so I was laid up for quite a, quite a while, had nothing to do except peruse the internet and came across this, this story. So I, the story is also very personal for me. Uh, I have two brothers who served in Iraq at the same time. We're both in the Marine Corps. And one was wounded near Tikrit around the same time as Peralta. And my other brother actually was part of the unit that relieved the Marines that fought the Battle of Fallujah in, uh, in January of 2005. That's a very personal connection to me. And, but there was something about the story that just grabbed me as I dug into it and found more about it. Just to me, it, Rafael Peralta is really a quintessential American story. If, if you don't know his story, he was born in Mexico City, came to the U.S. as a, as a young child. Joined the Marine Corps at this at the first opportunity once he was able to do. And the, the biggest piece of, of his story, we allude to it in the trailer. You wouldn't know the full context if you don't know his story. But the biggest piece of the story is he did not have to be in Iraq, and he did not have to be in that room. He was able to get wavered to go to Iraq because he wanted to be with his infantry guys, and his role in his unit was not to be knocking down doors and killing bad guys. It was to be at HQ, but as you may know, the Battle of Fallujah was pretty intense. His unit, you know, the, you know, the platoon lost lost some guys, and so they he was just I'll jump in. He grabbed a couple of combat camera guys. He was like, "We'll form a we'll form a rifle team. We'll get we'll get in there and do it." And they did, and and he ended up being in a room. Took some fire as the insurgents left. They tossed a grenade behind him, and and he you know, reached out, grabbed it, and, and took the brunt. And there are about five or six Marines who would not be alive today if if, if he hadn't done that. But that's just. That's the kind of man he was. And, and this, through this process, I've had the privilege of talking to his company commander, talking to the Marines who served with him, talking to his family, and really just getting to know him and really getting to know him and who he was as a person and as a Marine. And universally, that's, nobody was surprised when they heard what happened. They, that's just the, that's the person he was. He would, literally would do that for you, and he did. And, and so I think just the power of that story really just grabbed me and I started digging into it. And... We're finally at a place now where the script is ready to go and, and we're excited to get to film it this year. Yeah, so to give everybody just a quick rundown of what happened, he, Battle Fallujah, not infantry trained as a whole, still a Marine, right? So originally, so taking a little bit of a step back, he was, so he was trained in infantry. He was a, a 311. The day after 9-11, his father was killed tragically in a workplace accident. And so at the time he was on a, on a Westpac and so the Marine Corps brought him home. And they reassigned him to to a chaplain's assistant at MCRD, which right. I'm sure as a Marine, uh, as an infantry Marine, uh, working in the chaplain's office at boot camp is probably not what he wanted to do. Uh, and he ended up staying there for about three years. And so when it was time to reenlist, he had a decision to make, stay in and figure out what he wanted to do or just or get out and find something else. So he, the waiver that 
was talked about was him being the head of household. His his mother had to sign off that she was fine if he that she'd be financially secure if he were were deployed, and so she did sign that, and that's what allowed him to go back to combat. So he was infantry trained, but he did not have combat experience. So he went into this room, started helping essentially clear villages in Fallujah, or clear the village, clear buildings. Um, came under fire, had a grenade that was thrown in the room. He jumped on it, for lack of a better terminology, and took the blast away from essentially everybody else. If, if, for those of you all not familiar, infantry side and most, uh, especially overseas, we have Kevlar vests and different aspects where a round might not penetrate, but a grenade definitely will cause enough concussive force to essentially kill you. If you're honestly uh, lucky, unlucky, it probably just jumbles everything and then he end up having even more health issues. But he jumped on this grenade, ended up killing him, and he had uh, severe wounds from it, but ended up saving several other guys in the room. And how much of that is captured in the biopic? Because I know there's more to the story beyond him passing, but how much of that's covered in the biopic itself? Uh, all, all of that, all of that is covered. So we, so I was, as, as part of, so one, one, of the, one of the great things is in the Marine Corps, is very excited about the story and, and I've, we've been working with the entertainment media liaison office to get support for the film and so once everything is green that we're good to go they'll we'll be able to film on base and different at resources that they'll be able to provide for us but one of the things they did was they uh, i was able to get a hold of the so he was nominated for the medal of honor which i don't know how far we're going to do but it was and that's the part i want to talk about not, so don't no, dive too far into that part yet so as part of the research that brink Brinko provided we actually have a copy of the investigative binder that they did for the medal of honor investigation um and as part of the film we've gone very accurately as accurately as we can show as to what happened where it happened how it happened but yes the if you ever go to dc the marine corps museum actually has his flak jacket and his rifle and you can see the big just the big gouge right in this chest where the detonation occurred oh, yeah but yes but yeah, but yeah it, it, we, we walked through that i i told his mom that she'll probably have a hard time watching this film because it really is going to be very accurate and that's a little bit of the difference between how many folks have seen a military movie at this point from black hawk down all the things <laughs> right at this point it's almost commonplace to have a mark Wahlberg show himself falling down a hill but the realism attached to it's not quite the same as a biopic where this is going to be a little bit more of the realism attached to it a little bit more of the personal journey of sergeant peralta and the unfortunate part attached to the the story as a whole is it doesn't end in that room it doesn't end in the awards attached to the back end so a lot of what this mission for you is carrying it to fruition for lack of a better term. And this is almost 20 years ago now. Um, so it's one of those, it's a continued story. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened after math with the Medal of Honor, all the different aspects and awards? And I know the Marine Corps is a little bit different with what they call certain things. Um, so explain <laughs> what the awards are that he was up for, what he didn't get, and where we're at in the process we're at with that. Sure, so he was immediately nominated for the Medal of Honor and went straight to Secretary of Defense Gonna sign off on it and then things went sideways we're not sure exactly who but somebody threatened to launch an investigation or a complaint if it was signed off so the controversy was that the the medical examiner who did his autopsy he'd been wounded before he grabbed the grenade and so the medical examiner who did his autopsy was convinced that there was no way he could physically have grabbed the grenade and pull it under his body that if he did it 
that it was a muscle reflex or something and not any sort of intentional act. And, and so, of course, the Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates at the time, not wanting to make the hard call, formed a panel, which of course has never been done in any sort of Medal of Honor awards process. And the panel just determined, of course, that the grenade blew up next to his legs and did not, so he was laying there and blew up. So obviously having the, bind, the binder that I have, I had the autopsy report and his legs were perfectly fine. There was a grenade fuse lodged in his chest. <laughs> shrapnel, you see his rifle, which was under him, was marked up with shrapnel. And obviously the only way you can put a grenade under your body is if you put it there. So the challenge in the time was that there was a lot of political stuff happening behind the scenes, unfortunately. One of the other people I spoke to was the chief of staff for their congressman, Duncan Hunter, who at the time, who was very active in trying to get this decision reversed. And I, some of the things he told me about what people were telling him in the halls of Congress would make your blood boil. And it was very political. They, they didn't want too many medals of honor being given out at that time. They didn't want people being seen as going hand-to-hand -hand combat with insurgents. They wanted it to be long-range artillery and, and aircraft uh, bombings and mopping up. The house to house was mopping up what had already been taken care of. And so it was, it was yeah, it was pretty, pretty ridiculous. It's always boggles my mind how people can recreate facts to fit their own, what they want to have happen. Rather Essentially, than, all the people that write the history books <laughs> are the ones that dictate history, more exactly, or less, right? Exactly. It's very easy to say, oh, the grenade blew up by his legs. <laughs> it's like, well, no physical evidence to support that. In fact, the exact opposite. But we'll just, we'll go with that. And, yeah. and that's what happened. So uh, the Marine Corps, of course, was furious and still is. And so the, the award was downgraded to the Navy Cross, which is the second highest, was the highest honor that the Navy can give. Um, and what's really funny, not funny, but it's ironic, is that the citation that was written for the Medal of Honor didn't get changed for the Navy Cross. So it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, so that's what, so, so you got the Navy Cross and then it, it, as kind of the coup de grace to all of this, which really is kind of a pretty amazing honor is that at the end, parents and everybody were fighting for the Medal of Honor, but at the end that wasn't gonna happen. And Duncan Hunter and, and forced the Navy to name a ship after Rafael Peralta. And that ship was uh, commissioned um, in 2017. She's now deployed, uh, I think in Japan, I believe. Um, she carries his name all over the world, which is really cool. And, and so um, obviously we'd love for him to, get, to have that Medal of Honor given, but having the ship was pretty neat. And I saw a photo not too long ago of his mother in the shipyard viewing it for the first time with his name on the, hanging on the hole. And just the, the emotion in her face was, was pretty, pretty touching, but it was really neat. But so that's the controversy. And then it just, it's kind of got out of hand with people been saying, oh, we lied about, you know, certain people were trying to say they lied and it just got crazy, but physical evidence doesn't lie. And, and unfortunately that's just the reality of it. So for those of y'all that were in the military, are awards around politics surprising? <laughs> That's a thing, right? Yeah. I, the sad part attached to a lot of this and why I love this story coming to light, essentially the only way to get past the politics is to really have a story, have the conversation about it, right? So in the military, for those of you that aren't aware, it's pretty much political. On the officer side, you're pretty much given every award known to man. On the enlisted <laughs> side, I was an officer, so I can say that. Uh, so you're given awards that 
you may or may not have earned as hard as the enlisted guys. <laughs> and one of my enlisted guys is here, old Gonzo. So he got, he was in Afghanistan with me. He got recognized the way he should have, hopefully. I think I wrote those commendations pretty well. <laughs> I don't know, because I know the politics behind it. So it's a, an unfortunate piece about it that really there is a political yay or nay from somebody all the way in DC that has no idea what actually happened. Right. And that's the unfortunate part we deal with way too often, whether it's the VA or something like the awards attached to it. With this project, I know it's not fully completed yet. And we're working really hard to bring this story to fruition. Where are you at with the project as a whole? What more do you have to do to accomplish? And what's the projected airing date? Now, right now, we are in the kind of what's called the development phase where we're uh, attaching crew and cast and putting all the pieces together. The goal right now is to film probably late summer, early fall with working with the Marine Corps on locations, turn of their fiscal year is typically where it's a little bit less busy with some of the training spots that we're going to be working with. That's the goal. And then the plan would be to, so this, so November is the 20th anniversary, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Come by fast. And so the plan, we probably won't have it completely finished by November, but at least to have something but together, we cannot commemorate the anniversary and then the full film will be released probably early next year. And that's something that we were talking a little bit about. What's the continuation? Part of what I want to make sure happens is these stories are told. Uh, a lot of what we're doing by hosting the events in the first place is to tell these stories more. What is it that we can do as an audience that can help support that piece of it? We talked about potentially doing a screening once we get back. I know you're talking about filming parts of it here in, in Atlanta with uh, Atlanta Hollywood being a thing these days. <laughs> so we may have some local locations attached to it. Is there staffing support where we could get a really pretty veteran or two to record? Uh, <laughs> if I could put Gonzo up like that. What, what can we do to support, whether it's financial, word, marketing, where are you at yeah. as far as that goes? Yeah, so I think obviously these things take money. And so yeah, financial would be probably the, the first thing I would say, if you're interested in investing in film or investing in a story like this, then that would probably be uh, the first step. We are looking at uh, potentially filming either in here in Georgia or Virginia. Um, both places have a lot of the military uh, locations that we need in terms of base locations and stuff like that. Um, and, and of course, from the business side of the film process processes, they also have tax credits that are very much of an incentive for filmmakers. And so that's, that's part of the reason there. So, uh, I think, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, probably yeah, invest, investment would be important. Obviously talk about it. We want to talk about this project. We want to, we want people to know his name. We want people to know what he did. And, and so that, I think that's a huge piece of it. The fact, you know, an, an event like this, where all of you now know about this. And so you can talk about it and hopefully continue to get that word of mouth going. And then, yeah, we will do, we'll do screenings and, and whatnot when, when the time is right. But I think right now the, the publicity piece of it and getting the pieces in place. Nice. So I, I want to take a few minutes because this is a unique experience from a normal speaker that I have up here. Normally it's not fancy. <laughs> I'm <producers>. definitely not <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to agree with that. <laughs> I, I'm curious from the audience standpoint, usually I love to do Q&A. With this being a little bit different when it comes to storytelling, capturing a story like this, is there any questions, anybody have any thoughts, questions, feedback, even maybe from the veteran's perspective of what you'd love to see in a biopic yeah. like this? Yeah. Oh. So I got, 
The birthday boy, hang on. <laughs> For those that don't know, so I was a combat controller in the Air Force, and I was assigned to the 24 Special Tactics Squadron at JSOC. And John Chapman was one of my teammates. And if you don't know John Chapman, John was killed on Roberts Ridge back in 2002. He was initially awarded the Air Force Cross, same. And in 2017, it was upgraded to the Medal of Honor. John's fight was captured on drone. It's the first ever captured on drone. What you're doing is going to change that. So keep, keep it. It's, yeah, it's gotta be said, it's gotta be out. When it gets out, that will affect change. That is what's going to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. We're supposed to make the birthday boy cry. Come on now. <laughs> Dang it, Matt. I, I firmly, I firmly believe, I firmly believe that one of, my, one of my goals with this project was that we would just not make any political statements, not make it about oh the evil government screwed the marine over kind of thing, but we want people to see what happened as accurately as we can show it and let the facts and then his mom that was the one thing she told me she wanted to be about what he did and not what people said about it afterwards and i think that was very important it's very important to me anybody else have any thoughts comments forgive me if you adjust this point i can't remember really quick do you have uh, tied into this any specific actor or actors and will this be just curious we don't have any actors that we can announce yet, but it will be a, a union project. Spoken like an attorney. <laughs> actually, actually, I take that back. We do have an actor. Carol is here, and I've worked with her in the past. She's, she's a phenomenal actress, and she does have a she does have a supporting role in the film. But yeah, I, I can't announce any stars. You just announced a star. Besides, Hang besides. on, I got you, Carol. You were nice. She's going to shake me on the way out. I tell you, <laughs> he deserves it. Um, any other thoughts or feedback? For Michael, and this is a unique one. So I want to give this some time. Um, usually we have another 15 or 20 minutes. Shout it out. It'll be a full length feature. Right now, like this script right now is 115 pages. So it's that's about 115 minutes of runtime, give or take. Of course, it's changed over the last uh, few. <laughs> Every time I tweak it, it goes up for a time with you, Solomon. Did you get the estate involved before you came up with the idea, or was it after? So I, the, the first step I did was I reached out to his family and spoke with them. Actually, I met them right before COVID shut everything down in 2020. And yeah, so I, and that was, it took me a long time to get the, the courage to even reach out because it's like, how do you reach out to a mom who has been through that? So yeah, I did. We reached out to them first. She was, she was receptive to the idea and, and then started the process of writing and research from there. Awesome. And before we get kicked out, cause we've got about 30 minutes before the Buckhead Club kicks us out. Um, any last questions before I release y'all to networking and picking his ear? I've got several over in the corner over here. <laughs> in Georgia, how do the tax credits work? Do you sell those specifically to fundraise or get that uh, you so can? Do you have a broker dealer that handles that? So yeah, so the way the way the tax credits work is you can monetize them ahead of time if you need to. So if you're using that to raise production funds, then yes, you can 
based on what on your estimated spend and your estimated credit, you can monetize that. But yes, that that and that's that because we, we had, originally were thinking of filming everything in San Diego. Sorry, because everything is there. <laughs> But there's no tax credits. There are, but you have to apply for it in January, and if you don't, and you're not guaranteed to get it, and it's just a California's a pain in the butt. So uh, all that same stuff is out here on the East Coast as well. But the financial incentives are actually much more attractive. Spoken like an investor. <laughs> Attorneys and investors, it's terrifying <laughs> in this room. I just, I just want to ask. You mentioned there was about five other army soldiers. I'm a part of the Navy, by the way. <laughs> that was there, and the gentleman took the hit. Are you were you able to speak to any of the, the survivors that he to speak with them to get a statement or their response to what happened? Um, yes, we did, we were not able to. Not all of them were willing to talk, but uh, we did talk to several um, who were who were there who served with them. Um, his company commander was in tears talking, describing how, him getting the radio call. Um, and it, it was, all of those conversations were very difficult. I felt completely inadequate talking to these guys. And one of them just straight out said, I don't trust you because they're just expecting this immediate. And you have to realize these guys have been through their ringer from a media standpoint. They have been hounded and badgered and just harassed about their story. They've told it over and over again. And so it's very difficult for you know, a producer now to come and say, I want to make a movie about this. And oh, sure, let's, let's, let's tell it for the millionth time. Um, but yes, we did, we did talk to several uh, who were willing to talk about it. And um, it's pretty powerful conversations, really were very humbling. I see a finger being pointed somewhere. There's so many people. <laughs> Which studio are, are you working with? So this is an independent production. It's not a studio production. That means he's awesome at doing it himself. None of the darn studios want anything to play with it. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, I got so many people all the way around. It kind of sounds like this is what just happened with that drone there. Do you think eventually you will get to that and eventually film that what happened with those three soldiers? So that's a great question. And I, I, for me as a filmmaker, I love true stories. I think all the, almost all the projects I've been a part of have been based on true stories. That story specifically, I, obviously it's very due and, and it's possible that we will, but at the time, yeah, it'd be probably a little bit down the road. Yeah. Do you have a question? Hey everybody. I'm, I'll make sure you're <laughs> So my question for you is with what you're doing, considering how his sacrifice was marginalized and with what you're doing, you said you're doing non-political, so you're not putting a target on your back, but with everybody's sacrifice, everybody who experiences the families, what can we do as veterans in Atlanta, since we're one of the, I think, one of the three biggest states in the country with veterans, so thank you guys for your service and ladies. What can we do as far as helping support you besides financially? Are you guys doing anything with social media platforms, et cetera, because his life was trivialized, his sacrifice was marginalized, and I know that I'm not the only one that's got to be a little pissed off hearing about it. It's not the first story I've heard. It won't be the last of the way our country works. But what are your plans moving forward with broadcasting this as far as affecting change besides exposing that? Yeah, I think I'll just be a, as part of the, the run-up to the film and production, there will be a lot of social media. And then obviously we'll be tied in with Zach and, your, and the group here uh, to make sure that those, those messages get out and, and, and we can connect those and share them. <laughs> 
I think that'll be the biggest piece of it is using that platform to just to share it. And it's, it's, it's so remarkable though, with this story specifically, just like LinkedIn and I'm connected with several people who knew him and, um, invariably, you know, November, someone will make a post and it's remarkable how much engagement that gets. Like there are so many people who do know the story are pissed off about it. Um, and even 20 years later, um, yeah. it's just, it's, it's out there. And so I think, uh, the social media piece of it will be huge to, to affect that. And I think if anything, if it's political pressure and, and I didn't start this with an intent to become an activist, <laughs> like yeah. political, but I think the byproduct is what, that's, what's going to end up happening. And so if you have that grunt, so if you got a film that's out there and, and it's pretty obvious, you know, what's going on. I do know that there is, there may be a possibility, um, unannounced that it, it is being reviewed potentially. Um, and something like this would absolutely force it. Yeah. Thank you. Fantastic. And just picky bagging, pretty much you stole my thunder <laughs> question here, but it is, everybody is willing to do everybody here will go out. We are touched. We want to take action. The challenge is tomorrow, 25 other things are, are like pouring down to us. And I think keeping the momentum going is a big challenge overall. So my question to you is also, I, as being an outsider and not involved in the army, even back in Germany, I believe history, its own story, but what is your outside of awareness building and, and pushing it forward so that things might be revised? What is your byproduct goal moving forward with that message, right? You're getting the attention, you're getting the support, but overall, from your vision, mission standpoint, moving forward, what's the next thing? And also from a strategy perspective, suggesting to find a platform and a way where you give direct clear instruction to the people how they can help. Because people want, but they need clear instructions step by step. What can I do next? Which is piggybacking on the question you said. <laughs> no, that, those are great questions. And I think what I said, obviously, as we, the, the best time probably will be as, as it's coming out. For instance, you have the movie Sound of Freedom, like over the summer, right? Did not start off as a wide release blockbuster film, but because of social media, because of their marketing strategy, because it was a great film and it caught on, that groundswell of public support catapulted it to, to what it ended up becoming. And so that would ultimately probably end up being what we would do. You know, as we get into the summer, that, that we'll be doing a lot of that. And, and so getting that grassroots support and, and obviously we'll have distribution in place and things like that, but so we won't have to rely on begging your friends to go buy tickets, <laughs> but still to have it be successful and have it give, give, have the legs as long as they can be, we definitely want uh, to tap into the, the wide network that each of you has on the metal grass. Well, I mean, the fact that this story is known by a lot of people is going to help. Like I know just in talking to the Marines and the, and the, the hierarchy in the film office, like there are people already in the core who were just, they're waiting for this to come out. And so once that tr trigger happens, it's going to be, it'll be pretty amazing, but yeah, we'll, we will definitely work on specific plans to integrate the veteran community, both here and, and across the country. Uh, cause that really is the target, that's the target market for this project. 
And you don't have to be a Marine to enjoy it. Army guys are welcome to come, come see us. <laughs> yeah, but it's like we, we're all, you're all brothers. Like Army, Navy, we're, you're all part of the same family. And there's that sibling rivalry we tease each other and stuff, but just not Air Force. Yeah, just not. <laughs> but <laughs> why would you jump out of a perfectly good plan? Yeah, but <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, yeah, but we'll tap into that community. We'll make sure that we have this, that we're going, we'll have specific areas of that, that uh, what's that? What's the publicity side of it that goes in to play? Later, it'll be up probably summertime. Awesome. Yeah, one more. So the I'll do this as the last one. Then I want to make sure you all connect so we can get social media and get all the plugs going. Yeah, thank you for coming here. And Zach, thank you for bringing him here to the Bucket Club. I think one of the things that veterans and service members do well is that even though you're Air Force, you're Army, you're Marines, you're Sailor, we come together, right? We come together to help each other out to complete the mission. And this is the mission that he has. Story of Sergeant Peralta and making phone calls, making emails, whatever your skill is, be it networking, be it financial, be it whatever, acting, be family, right? You reach out and it will get done. That's what veteran community does well. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Let's give Michael a round of applause, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.